Hi friends, welcome back to the Creating Eden podcast. I am your host, Eden, and today I am joined by an incredible, incredible wise woman and mother, Nicole Parker, and I am so, firstly, I am so filled to the brim from this conversation, and it really helped me to fully rewrite my perspective uh, on postpartum and um, open myself up to, yeah, allowing my own postpartum experience to be completely different than society's current narratives around postpartum. So I am so excited to share this with you. There's so much wisdom. There's so much power. I felt like I was just a sponge soaking in everything, everything that Nicole had to say. So a little bit about Nicole. Nicole is a primal mother of four sons. She's a keeper of sacred postpartum and a lighthouse for embodied motherhood. She believes that aligning to the brilliant design of our bodies leads us to our most vibrant, nourished selves. She walks with women all along the mothering continuum as they reclaim their own wellness. And I can say from this conversation, absolutely, Nicole embodies all of this so powerfully without question, undeniably, she embodies this. So yeah, it was such an honor to have Nicole join me and to shine her light and share her voice and her experience on the podcast. And I am truly so grateful to have the opportunity to share this conversation with you. Enjoy. All right. Hi, Nicole. Thank you so much for firstly saying my yeah invitation to have you on the podcast. Such a joy and such an honor. Um, yeah, to get to connect with you in this way and hear more of your story, your experience and your wisdom. So thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you and kind of orient to this postpartum space when I did the summit that I know you're kind of poking through. Yeah. Um, I was about as pregnant as you are with this fourth baby when I was recording. And so it's like a fun little touchstone to be uh, you and know that you're in this place as I'm in this one with him yeah. and, and have these conversations kind of continue yeah. on that backstory. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. Um, yeah, I I'm so grateful for um for you for putting that together. It's such a powerful resource and um for this being my first pregnancy and it will be my first birth, my first postpartum, whatever that looks like. Um I've heard a lot of narratives around postpartum being so hard and nobody adequately preparing for postpartum and all of the focus being on the birth. So to have access to that resource feels so deeply nourishing and supportive. Um, yeah, especially for me where I'm, I'm like, I have no idea what to expect. And I'm sure 
you can speak to this, but I'm sure I'm assuming at least that each postpartum is different. Um, mm -hmm. So even if you have experienced it, you may experience something completely different in your second, third, fourth, and so on postpartum. Um, but yeah, it feels like such such a beautiful resource to have. So just sending you gratitude for creating that and yeah, oh. for, um, following the call or the pull to to bring that into the physical reality. Thank you. I'm so glad that you're enjoying it. It is, it is definitely a creation to stand in the face of the story that postpartum is so hard and it really can be, right? It really, really can be. Um, but it's one piece of the story to say that birth is also hard mm. and it's incorrect for that to be the only thing we say about birth. And it's in those depths that you're really meeting yourself and integrating yourself and becoming yourself. And if there were ever a time in your life where that's happening, it's in your initiation to motherhood. Um, and in those subsequent postpartums too, right? Like the mother that I am as a mother of four is not the woman I was as a mother of one, is not the woman I was as mother of two or mother of three. And so, yeah, each of those times where you're having this really remarkable restructuring of your family constellation, your own inner sense of self and place of belonging and understanding is going to evolve at such a rapid rate. But yeah, sometimes it's heavy or dark or painful or confusing. But it also, like, you have to go to those depths in order to access those heights at the same time. Right? Like if the gates of hell are open, so are the gates of heaven. And I think that's the piece that gets just glanced over um, so often. I think in part just, you know, as a result of the experience most women are having. And there's a lot that could be said about <laughs> that experience being kind of orchestrated for women, right? Mm -hmm. As far as our societal and cultural structures are supportive of a certain experience. Um, and yet it's also almost an accident that women end up there because you can't avoid the depths like they'll find you if the baby is hungry the baby is hungry if the baby is awake you are awake all of these things right those aren't the parts you don't get to skip the hard but it's almost like we've created this culture where you can skip the good if you want to mm -hmm. And it's such a disservice to women and babies. It's such, it's so insidious to pretend that we get to skip those pieces any more than we get to skip the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, um, that's really beautiful and I love the term that you use in restructuring your family constellation. Um, that, that is definitely what even me in my experience um, with my partner now uh, we're feeling. And um, it's, it's so, for me, it feels so divinely guided and divinely led Um and as much as there was resistance, there was a lot of resistance towards both parts because I wasn't feeling the the gratitude and the love and the joy and 
the fullness of the experience um, because I was so resistant and so hesitant mm-hmm. to allow the Eden that I was to be crumbled um, and to release the also the expectations and the views that that I had of what my life was supposed supposed to in quotation supposed to look like or going to look like or you know the the vision that I had for the next few years of my life um, I had so much resistance towards allowing that uh, to crumble and I've slowly been inviting that inviting that in and allowing the release and the crumbling and um, that restructuring and now I am 34 weeks now Mm -hmm. and I like (laughs) my partner and I were in the grocery store last night we were getting some Tupperware and stuff to start postpartum planning And I just stopped in the middle of the aisle and I just started sobbing because I felt my heart so ripped open for how beautiful this experience is and that I get to do this with my partner and um, just the the energy shifts and um, emotional shifts in our relationship dynamic and the baby isn't even here yet, like how powerful and beautiful they are. Um, I just, yeah, I couldn't help but just like start bawling in the middle of the aisle. And yeah, my partner was just like, oh, come here. And was we were just hugging. And yeah, I just felt so much love and so much gratitude. And um, I have a friend who is pregnant as well. And she's had a very different experience than me. She's been so like desperate wanting her baby and it's been so much more of a challenge for her so she's been on the opposite side of the spectrum and now she's like drinking every single moment in and she's loving the shifting and changing of her body and it's so beautiful to witness her and her experience and how different it is than mine and um see that you know she's had she's she's been thrown into the depths of the challenging and the hard um already and and now to see her thriving and um Mm -hmm. just basking in the joys and the expansion of pregnancy um yeah it's been it's been really beautiful so I love that you you speak to the entire spectrum both sides um because it is such a full experience and yeah, I would love to hear, um, I would love to hear you share your experience. And of course, you've done it four times. So how those are, are each their own unique experiences and how they differ from each other. Yeah, I feel like I've, I've definitely had a unique experience postpartum in that I've had really really insanely good experiences every single time Mm, and I I just love postpartum like if I could just be postpartum every once in a while without adding actual new humans to the earth I would do it it's like a drug it's a trip it's a container it's like it is so so unbelievably good and I remember with my first He'll probably remember this from my whole life. That's how potent these like spaces and portals that we move through are. 
I remember holding him. I was probably like six, seven days postpartum, which is when people are going to say that you're going to be like baby blues and your milk came in and your nipples were hurt and you're wearing diapers and you should be on stool. So, you know, there's just like so many things that most people would describe six days postpartum as. And the only thing I remember was feeling the most comfortable in my body I had ever felt up until that point of my life. And I remember just like a faucet weeping to his father. And I just said, I had no idea that humans could access feelings this high. I cannot believe that this is available to us on earth. I had no idea happiness and contentment at this extreme was even a possibility for my life. And it just racked me the knowing that like, if I can access that once, I can access it again and again, and again, just immediately mm. hold back the curtain on my entire life, right? Where it reprograms you. It gives you a new foundation for what is good. What is enough? What are you worth? What do you deserve? What do you want? It allows you to reorient towards what you didn't even previously know was possible was my experience and it was it was so on purpose you know you were talking about the um in pregnancy that resistance to kind of go there right the resistance to go to the kind of mucky shadowy intimidating places but when we resist to any part of experience we're resisting to all experience and so in resisting allowing yourself to go there, you're also going to be resisting keeping yourself from those places of love and golden gratitude and softness and weeping in the middle of the grocery store type feelings, right? (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's very much the same in postpartum, but that resistance is, is less acknowledged where there's a cultural and a societal structure set up that is automatically, like that's the resistance for us right Mm. and and then it is paired with the fact that most people don't know that there's something that they're resisting in the first place right if you don't know it can be good you're not even going to question why you're not having it Mm -hmm. and it definitely starts in those moments of pregnancy it definitely shows itself in birth it you know shows up in this place of I think about this often how we frame pregnant women as being so emotional it's like almost silly Mm, right and like have I got been pregnant and cried over objectively silly things for sure sure of course (laughs) but it's almost framed culturally as like a problem like it's obscure and it's odd and it's kind of unwelcome right where then women find themselves weeping in the grocery store and rather than allowing themselves the possibility to integrate that experience is like because I felt so good and I felt so much and what a beauty to feel so much it instead for many women would get integrated and programmed as like embarrassment or foolish or goofy to have cried over Tupperware but like of course you cry over the Tupperware you absolutely should life is so good you should feel all kinds of things about it and women 
specifically mothers as they're becoming mothers, specifically in postpartum and birth and in pregnancy, we're conduits for existence. We are the channels of life and energy that move into the world. And so when you're pregnant and you are channeling the cosmos in a way that you have never touched before in your life, there's a tendency or a temptation to resist it and to close around it and to go like, whoa, that's too much. It's so much. I bet it's incorrect. Mm. And it's a very different experience to go, whoa, that is so much. I'm so curious how that can be correct. Right? Yeah. And that space lingers into postpartum, absolutely. So where, yeah, I had like, in that first becoming mother, I totally had those moments of looking at my baby and revisiting my own childhood wounds and my own relationship with my mother and being just shattered at the realizations that were slamming into me, touching places I didn't know even existed and being gutted over them and you know, twirling in confusion and grief to to places very, very old, right? Places that went back to my own birth and my own infancy, time and spaces in my body that I hadn't visited since those moments, for sure. Mm -hmm. But they were sandwiched in into this bliss. And that was totally a result of the fact that I set myself up to experience all of it, not just some of it and so I think I prepped harder you know like you said people focus on birth and not postpartum I think I prepped harder for postpartum than birth I was like birth will be fine breastfeeding will be fine like postpartum is the part I'm going to do on purpose and I remember saying to my son's father um because he's an only child and no one in his family or his like family friends really had had babies beyond when he was like a child himself like I think the last time he had known a pregnant woman intimately and like met her baby after or whatever he would have been like four wow so that just wasn't a part of his world and so there was a expectation to set with him yeah and I remember telling him my only job is the baby my only job is the baby and I'll do it flawlessly. He doesn't need anything but me, but I don't need anything but him. And it's going to be hard work and it's going to be a lot of effort, but I think it can be easy because I'm designed for it. And I think the only way that that design gets thrown off is if I'm giving myself to anything outside of him. So I'm not cooking. I'm not cleaning. I'm not getting up. I'm not hosting. I'm not hanging out with you if I should be napping. Like, I'm not anything. I'm Owen's mother. Yeah. And that's that's what's going to mean that I can mother our child to the fullest extent while feeling my best. And I'm curious if, did you have women outside of you modeling that for you already? Or was that something that you found on your own and created from your own desire or intuitive pull? Yeah, I really didn't. I had had the experience of like, like I would never show up at a 
woman's house postpartum without a meal, right? Like I had that model. I had that experience of like, I'll bring you dinner. Mm-hmm. But that was really the extent of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me, it was, was really, I trusted birth because I trusted women's bodies mm. because I trusted the design of woman and child body. And I just couldn't help but make the jump of like, if I'm going to trust my body in birth, why wouldn't I trust my body postpartum? And if having babies and being postpartum was so awful and it was meant to be awful, we would have stopped millennia ago. (laughs) That was really it for me. I was like, there's no way it's supposed to suck or we wouldn't be motivated to do it. Right. There's a lot of like evolutionary arguments that like sex feels good because you want to reproduce. And I'm like, why shouldn't birth feel that way? Why shouldn't postpartum feel that way? Wouldn't there also be things designed and written into me that make me like life, that make me enjoy the work that must be done to keep a child alive? There's no way I'm designed for suffering. There's no way. There's no way everyone was designed for suffering this whole time and just kept doing it. For what? Why would you? I love that you are bringing this up because this morning laying in in bed with my partner, um, I shared like I'm I'm getting excited for birth. And Mm -hmm. I also have these moments where I'm super fearful. And then I always come back to if it was that bad, like we wouldn't have (laughs) the human (laughs) population that we have, you know, so yeah I love I absolutely love that perspective and it's so refreshing to hear um because it's so different from society's narrative mm-hmm. yeah this this very common tale that it's like a thing happening to you mm-hmm. rather than for you and I think that you know there's a lot that could be said just a, a general approach to life um but it also is it is the most foundational imprint for motherhood and it must be. If you are available to be victimized in your postpartum, you are going to feel victimized by motherhood. You are going to feel that it is oppressive. You are going to feel that your service means subservience. You are going to feel afraid of surrender and distrusting of the invitations for expansion and growth that your child will bring you to, your child will bring you to your knees. It is guaranteed. Mm -hmm. But it is something holy to arrive to that place and say, thank you, rather than try to walk away. Yeah. And I really feel that a surrendered and open and soft postpartum is that initial imprint of Look how your surrender is holy. Look how your service is sacred. Look how your baby is never against you, but always for you. How your body is always for you. How God is always for you. How life is always for you. Mm-hmm. And when you partner those deep shadowy places that we can access when the heavens break open and we bring our babies and that portal fluxes close over the course of weeks, following when you partner that with those good feelings you you know you really program and write for yourself that it's safe to hold and feel big things Mm. and that hard work is safe and good and that you can trust it when it finds you yeah yeah and like um 
looping back to what you were saying earlier um, about this like feeling too emotional throughout pregnancy Mm -hmm. and um, it makes sense that that's what it's labeled as in a society that doesn't want to feel a society Mm -hmm. that's consistently numbing and drugging and escaping um, it makes so much sense like of course that's going to be the narrative that we hear of of course that's going to be the kind of go-to experience is to label it too much instead of Mm -hmm. fully opening and softening and surrendering to that entire experience yeah Mm. yeah and I think part of that is how threatening that can feel to someone who doesn't feel safe to go to those places within themselves to watch you do it is scary enough and specifically I see this I see this so much with postpartum is this kind of resistance from other women or even older generations but even just other women this resistance to being a part of the scaffolding that supports postpartum as a subtle but certain rejection of the possibility of postpartum. Mm. If you had an awful, as someone might describe it, postpartum experience, how confronting to have someone say that theirs was nothing but bliss. Because don't you automatically go, some part of you subconsciously would automatically wonder why didn't I have that? Am I deserving of that? Am I worth that? Did I do something wrong that I didn't have that? Was something wrong with my baby that they cried instead of were easy? Was something wrong with me that I cried instead of was easy? Was something wrong with my friends or my mother that they didn't support me, right? There's all these things that you're confronted with. Mm. And so the response, the only way to avoid going to those places would to turn away from the brilliance of postpartum and to continue on with the story of it's hard and it sucks and it wasn't my fault that mine sucked, Mm -hmm. right? It's to absolve yourself of responsibility so you can comfortably stay in victimhood because it's scary not to. Mm. And I see this in those places of like, you know, I can talk to my grandparents about the work that I do and they think it's absurd. (laughs) they think it's so weird and pointless and they cannot believe that people would ever pay me for it yeah (laughs) and they're not mean about it but my grandpa was like you know I said something about uh being hired to like travel to someone for postpartum care and he's like what would you do (laughs) all the things that I do and he goes well I've never known a woman who needed that after and I was like that is not true you've never seen a woman that had it but they all needed it He's like, well, they all seemed fine to me. And I was like, well, you were six and a boy and they lied to you. So, (laughs) you know, yeah, I don't blame you for not knowing, but this actually is what it takes for women to be well. And trust me, I know that my grandma didn't have you supporting her that way. Trust me. I know that my teen mother didn't have you support her supporting her that way when she birthed me. Like, oh, I know. I can feel it. I met all of those places when I decided I was going to be held 
when I decided that I was going to enter that space where I didn't just look at my own responsibility, but my mother's and her mother's and her mother's and her mother's. Mm. And yeah, it hurt, but it also felt good. And I'm also free from that. And my children will not be inheriting that. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to believe that it softens the burden on my mother and my grandmother and hers too, right? That I get to I get to create an image of that differently for all of us where that experience, even in memory, feels a little softer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because bringing that into your physical body as well, shifting that energy shifts something in your cells. Mm-hmm. So, um, and something that is so interwoven and interconnected with all of the, especially all of the women um, who, you know, your mother birthing you, her mother birthing her, her mother birthing her, and so on. Um, yeah, I fully believe that it shifts more than just our own experience and the people after us. Um, I, I believe it also goes out to the sides as well, to the people mm-hmm. who are now getting to witness you and um, the way that you show up to postpartum, to pregnancy, birth, postpartum and motherhood, to life. Um, yeah, yeah, it, I, I really believe it goes all directions and ripples even to the extent that we can't fathom and and Mm -hmm. we'll never fully understand yeah yeah absolutely but uh, the imprint that you hold right it's like a we're all a living prayer for one another and so the way that you live and the way that you pray is going to to reverberate far beyond pieces of yourself that you can even consciously recognize in another yeah yeah it's really powerful and postpartum being this portal right it's so it's so unlike anything else it really is it's so foundational to woman Mm. and and to child of which all of us are one or both right no Mm. one doesn't have a mother and no one has birthed a child without becoming one. Mm. It applies to all of us the way that postpartum is handled. Every single person on earth has experienced postpartum through one or both sides of the coin. Wow. Like my boys have the imprint of their postpartums and that matters. And they're not going to go on to birth, but they're going to go on to be such remarkable guardians and gatekeepers of their women in the postpartums that they will stand guard over. Mm. They are, they talk about it already. They talk about my middle, one of my middle boys, my four-year-old. He watched both of his baby brothers be born in a bathroom and he thinks you have to birth in a bathroom. So he talks about how when he makes when he builds a house for his wife, he'll make sure there's a good bathroom for her oh. to have babies, not to like go pee, but to have babies. He'll build a good bathroom for birth. Goodness. And, you know, they have the model too of caring for women postpartum. They mm. go with me to feed women. They go with me to sit at their feet. They, but they don't go in the door. You know, they have that awareness too, where I'm, hey, 
You remember Mama Kayla? She had her baby yesterday. And they'll go, oh, what are we making her? Oh. Right? And they'll spend all day with me in the kitchen. And they'll pack it up in the car with me. And then they'll say, she's feeling open and tender, so we're not going inside, right? Mm. And they're content with that. Yep. Too open and tender to have three toddler boys in her house. Do you want to write her a card? Do you have any gifts for her older son? Do you, you know... They know their place in postpartum support and it'll ebb and flow and shift as they grow. But that imprint too. And would I be so protective of that had I not experienced the benefits of it? Mm. Before I had my first son, yeah, I brought like cookies and dinner or tea and soup or something to a postpartum mother. But the way that I serve women now And I'm not just saying clients, anyone who has a baby anywhere. And I'm like, (laughs) here's your soup and your bread and your broth and your congee and your flower essences and your massage oil. And I'm going to go clean your toilet. And I also brought you groceries. Like that is just the standard at this point. I have brought meals to women that I met at the playground. And they're like, oh yeah, he's two weeks. And I'm like, go home right Mm -hmm. now. Um, and here's my phone number and I don't know you, but I'll feed you really well. I promise, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and the, the ability and also the bravery to live in service of postpartum so surely comes in part from having experienced so beautifully Mm -hmm. where it just, it feels, oh, it feels immoral to sit back and to ever watch some, a woman suffer through it. I think it's like it's it's such an incorrect experience that even bearing witness to it has something incorrect in and of itself to watch a woman suffer through postpartum yeah. is also not what women are made for. We're not made for that experience. We're not we're made for witnessing one another and not witnessing one another in isolated sorrow and suffering and struggle but we're made for intimate witnessing of one another's flourishing and thrival and comfort. I'm curious if you can um, like speak to or paint the picture to maybe someone who is listening, who has never, you know, someone like me who, I I have never experienced postpartum Mm -hmm. or maybe someone who has that experience of having a terrible, awful, traumatic postpartum or, um, you know, being diagnosed with postpartum uh, depression or anxiety. Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe they don't know what postpartum can look like. Like, can you paint that picture for them to what that looks like and feels like? Yeah. So there's like two ways you could talk about this. You can talk about the structure, you can talk about the experience, right? And the structure is these are all the rules I would make for myself if I were going to be postpartum. And I make them because they're the structure that holds my experience. But I think it's equally important to talk about the experience because we we will now have women talk about like, oh, the first 40 days or, you know, 
there's like a concept of it that's being revived. But there's also something inherently in competition between the structure that protects postpartum that we hear about and the structure of the world that we just simply exist in. And so without hearing about that experience to where you value it enough to force structure to meet structure, to force primal postpartum to exist in the modern world, and it does take effort, it does, you do kind of have to force it. Mm-hmm. If you don't connect with the why and the value of that, you won't find your bravery to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's and like, so that experience for me has been, it's ultimately soft and it's ultimately safe. It looks like laying in bed skin to skin with my baby for it looks like prioritizing everything that makes me feel soft and safe and comfortable and refusing to indulge in anything else Mm. anything else anyone who makes me feel unsafe does not have a place at my feet anyone who says anything that feels unsafe does not have a place beside my ears anything that I could consume that doesn't feel just completely easeful and like welcoming, right? If there's a meal that I don't just want to pull into my body, I will not be eating it. Mm. It's it's the most incredible boundary medicine, really, because when you come into this sweet, soft place of postpartum, which begins the second your baby hits your chest, right? Mm. And we've all seen like a video of a mother pulling her baby to chest, that look of satisfaction on her face, that look of just being like sated and safe and secure and satisfied. That sensation, that doesn't have to end in the first 10 minutes. That moment, that feeling that we've all, you know, you see it in a home birth video that's not meant to go away right away. And so what happens is you create those boundaries really just in service of, I refuse to turn away from this feeling for as long as I possibly can. And if you are set up to where you allow yourself to feel that incredible satisfaction and incredible safety, you simply have to continually orient towards it. And you continue to find it. So getting out of bed, even something as abrasive as like a shower without your baby after birth, you know, all of those, anything where you're any, any amount of cleaning, doing, serving another person to any extent um, is open hand, my love, really incorrect. And you'll feel it immediately. You Mm -hmm. can feel it immediately the like disembodiment that will instantly come in if I am postpartum and I have to get up out of my bed and leave my baby or awkwardly carry my baby and walk through the house to go fix myself food by the time I get back in bed I will have like kind of blocked out the experience of having gone to the kitchen Mm. and I've done it a couple times over the course of my postpartums of course there are times where I've like 
had to actually had to do something that goes against it. Yeah. Um, but I know enough to plop myself back into that space and I know enough that it's there waiting for me. But it would be all too easy to assume that that, that feeling goes away, that that sensation isn't lasting. It's so lasting. It lasts for days. It lasts for weeks. And it does eventually start to fade um, in intensity as you emerge into just like mothering. But it never fades in presence and accessibility. I could walk over to his daddy's house and scoop up my six and a half year old in my arms right now. And if everything else is safe and secure and nothing else is on my mind and I look him in the eyes and I remember holding, like I'm there with him. I have that with him. It's always there. And it gets to inform my mothering or any decision that betrays that sense of safety between him and I that I know we first had. That's the incorrect decision. I don't have to read parenting books. I don't have to consult a bunch of experts. I don't have to spin myself out on the internet, scrolling through respectful parenting pages for hours and hours, trying to figure out how much I traumatized my kid by saying good job. <laughs> because I know him and I know me and I know us and I know what is for us and therefore I know what is not. Mm. But it only, it only comes from touching that place first. And that just, yeah, that just looks like in bed and soft and sweet and served to the fullest extent for as long as you possibly can. Mm. And what kind of support did you call in um, in order to be served? To do that, yeah. It's easier with your first baby. A lot of people seem to think it's only possible with your first baby, but it's not. Um, with your first baby it's really easy because it was as simple as you know being like yeah the house is a mess and I'm not gonna do anything about it right it's just being another adult and I'm in bed so I'm not doing anything and he's just like responsible for himself in a new way Um, (laughs) where he's like not you know I'm not sharing life with him in the same way that I was for a while um I did have people bring me meals um which we were the first of anyone having a baby. And then all my friends were mothers. I had really, really consciously connected with mothers, um, knowing that I was going to conceive soon. And so, yeah, people fed me um, a few times a week for this first couple of weeks. I'd say that like more than half of our dinners were someone else. Um, and then a lot of it was, you know, my husband like... <laughs> picking up whatever was really easy from like the co-op deli and like pre-made soups and things like that where like I definitely ate better this last postpartum than I did my first by a long shot but I moved less my first postpartum you know it looks different the way that those supports show up with my second baby um I had prepared some food for myself and also still just had even more women coming to feed me and really oriented towards the awareness that like I would be at a lesser capacity for my firstborn and so not only was it supporting me but what does it look like to support the family unit what does that look like for him to have support and that included lots of like going to the park with daddy all day while mama and baby slept but it also looked like 
you know, when people would bring me dinner and they'd bring him snacks, Mm. right? It would be, here's dinner for tonight. Here's a cup of tea for right now. And here's like a bunch of jerky and bananas for when Owen is hungry later and you're nursing and you need to toss him something. Yeah. Like here's, here's the things that are going to help you mother your child more easily and less other people swooping into motherhood. That was something that I definitely was able to integrate better my third time around because there was quite, quite an experience of grief and sense of loss birthing my second baby. Um, where, you know, it had been our family rhythm to go out all day together. And now it was like daddy and my son going out all day together. And I didn't want to go. I wanted to be in bed with the baby, but a part of me was like left out. A part of me was like, you guys, like, <laughs> we're not hanging out anymore. <laughs> and like my two and a half year old couldn't hang out in the bed all day. But my third time around, I definitely did so much more structuring to pull my older kids towards me. So they were still orienting to me and finding ways to parent from bed. So that was... um. I did it with this fourth postpartum too. That was like buying a bunch of new books that we've never read and reference books and nonfiction and things like that. And they didn't know they existed until I was postpartum. And I'd be like, oh, you may go into the closet. And if you look in this place, there's a book there for you. Bring it. Let's look at it together. It also looked like, you know, more screen time than they usually do. <laughs> Watching Mulan in bed because... Otherwise, you're not with me. And that doesn't feel good to me, right? Like, I'm not just a mother to this baby. I'm a mother to all of these children. Mm -hmm. And so me feeling secure and stable doesn't just look like me feeling securely attached to this baby, but maintaining my secure attachment to all four of my children. That third postpartum was by far our least supported. We had moved away from all of our friends and family and didn't have anyone bringing us anything um, at any point. But I also had, um, we were, it was three weeks after their father decided he wanted to separate. Like it was really, really intense. Um, And it could have been, it definitely had the potential to be a season of isolation and overwork and overexert and self-abandonment as much as like external abandonment but that said I had also already had two really beautiful postpartums and kind of just refused to experience anything else and their father had witnessed me move through two beautiful postpartums and witnessed his children move through them and postpartum is a family value in the sense that he regardless of how much he may or may not have wanted to help me during that season, doing his job as a father meant serving me. The only way for a father to serve his newborn is to serve them through service to mother because the baby is not separate. Anything that dad could swoop in and do for baby would be better done by mom. Mm -hmm. More touch from her, more holding from her, more of her scent and her heartbeat and her breath and her energy and her arms and her milk and her bed 
more of mother is always going to be better for a newborn than less. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to love a baby, whether you're grandma or uncle or daddy, you need to love their mama. You need to do everything it takes to keep them closer to mom. Mm. And so despite the like pretty undersupported season of life that we were in then, he did for the first, you know, two weeks, bring me all of my meals and did all of the parenting and did all of the, you know, all of the everything, because that is what it meant to be a father in that season, regardless of you know, his concerns about being a good husband or not, that maybe had blown out the window during that time of our life, to be honest, but, but to be a good father, that's what that meant. And he knew it because he lived it. Mm-hmm. And this fourth postpartum was probably my most outwardly supported yet. It definitely was. I had um, a friend I hired to and tend to me postpartum she came immediately after Liam was born and cleaned my laundry and me and burned his cord with me at three in the morning and tucked me into bed with tea and soup and came back the next day with meals um and came a handful of days over the next couple weeks my mother-in-law lives nearby and she can be, she's a very like anxious and feel, fearful person. She can really stress me out, but she's also a really good cook and she loves to clean. And <laughs> she had no problem at all, at all showing up to just like clean my floors in the lane. Um, She never once asked to hold a baby. She never once like, she just showed up and helped. She still shows up and help. She'll be here tomorrow to also clean my floors again because she's maybe the only person that's cleaned them in the last six months. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, um, and then their daddy lives in my backyard, even though we're separated, um, to give our boys free access to both parents. So he was here all the time I'd call him they'd wake up and I'd call him and no one even left the room until daddy came to collect them and he'd feed them and take them out and make dinner and do all the things that they were needing I had several friends bring food I had body workers come to the house that were gifted by sisters far away that couldn't serve me and so bought me body work and bought me care and sent me meals and I was so held and so often people are like oh that sounds so lovely but I couldn't because I have a two-year-old or I had I've done postpartum with a two and a half year old I've done postpartum with an 18 month old and a three and a half year old and I've done postpartum with a two and a half four and five and a half year old Mm. And even with all that, I felt fantastic. I don't think I got out of bed this postpartum at all until the end of the second week. And at most, what I was willing to take on at that time is I would like quickly make everyone some eggs and then we would sit down. Yeah. And we'd read books and we'd play and we'd 
watch Little Bear on YouTube until daddy was like done with work or whatever it was, you know, and he'd come over in the afternoon and pick up again. And I think it was around that third week that I started to actually get up and resume more like I'm the one running the house, which is a little premature. And if I could have stayed in bed longer, I definitely would have. But I think something people miss so often too is it's not all or nothing. It's not you do 40 days in bed or screw it, go make yourself dinner day two. Like it's not all or nothing. And so, yeah, I was the one up and fixing meals in that fourth week that I could have been spending in bed more instead. But I also was in bed every moment I wasn't. Right? There was, we in no way, shape or form were we back to normal life. And my children knew it. Like they knew there was no way was I taking them out of the house. There was no way we would be doing extra cooking. There was no way we were having people over. Like they know postpartum is something that is much longer Mm -hmm. than the first days or week or month. And so Another bit of that resistance that can come up too is letting yourself sit there for an uncomfortably long time. Mm-hmm. Not just sitting in bed, not just sitting in your house, though it will get uncomfortable and you should sit down anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, but letting yourself be postpartum for a long ass time. Mm-hmm. And I do also see women be like, oh, that sounds horrible. Like by day four, I was itching to get up. I could never sit there that long. You could. It'd be uncomfortable. And that would be really good for you. But yes, you could. It wouldn't kill you to sit in bed. Mm -mm. Would you meet new edges? Yes. Would it feel scary? Yes. Would you hit the point where... You're sitting there and you want a cup of tea and the baby's sleeping next to you. No one's on your body. Your bleeding has mostly stopped. You feel fine. You know that you could get up and go get yourself a cup of tea out of the kitchen, come sit back down and nothing awful would happen. And so it feels selfish and entitled and unreasonable to ask that someone serve you tea like you're a queen instead. (laughs) Are you going to let yourself do it? Will you let yourself be served? Will you notice how much you want to get up and do something for yourself and sit with that feeling and that thought long enough until you get to the underlying thought of, I don't feel like I'm worth being served right now. Mm. Will you let yourself sit there long enough to meet it? Because that's what's really being called forward. Mm -hmm. Postpartum, in my experience, and in watching most women, is the most incredible trip through your own sense of worth. It's safety, but it stems from worth. Am I worth being safe? Am I worth being saved? Am I worth being served? Do I trust other people? to affirm that for me do I trust myself enough to even ask for it Mm -hmm. and so when I see women tell the story of like oh I could never for any number of reasons 
it almost always comes down to like, do you want to let yourself though? Do you trust yourself enough to let yourself do that? And yes, I spent money on my postpartum care this time, but it was also the first time I've done so. You know, it's also the first time I've done so. And I don't regret it. Definitely prioritize it. Definitely be willing to spend money on it. But if you don't have money to devote to it, you can still have a beautiful experience. And if you have a partner that goes back to work the next week or God forbid the next day, then you're looking at like it's still it's still possible because I've done it. It's just still uncomfortable, right? You're still sitting with that question of worth. And it's easier to ask your husband because he's already, and to some extent, has deemed you worthy, right? Like, <laughs> you're in the position you're in because your partner has deemed you worthy of being wet. Mm-hmm. And so it's easier to ask him. Mm-hmm. But what if he goes to work two days later. Now you have to sit with that. Am I willing to call my friend and have her come see me the way that I am today? My kids are dysregulated. They just broke something. I'm a mess. The house, you know, like, are you willing to be seen in that place? Are you willing to be brave enough to let someone see you there and then watch as they affirm for you, you're still worthy like this? Are you willing to, if not your best friend, are you willing to let your mother-in-law or your neighbor? Like how willing are you to be available to be left? How available are you to be left? Who are you willing to let love you? Mm. Wow. And how much? And yeah, it's scary. It's totally scary. And it is completely worth it. Mm -hmm. It completely recalibrates your spirit and therefore your body for affection and abundance and availability in a way where you move through the world differently. And maybe you don't want to have your neighbor come in and see you bleeding and boobies out and like you know whatever but but then you know my mind and when I work with women to help them construct this it goes to like okay but can they like get your mail and take your trash out to the curb and would you be willing to ask them to go to the grocery store for you the next time they go because mm-hmm. they live right next door can you let yourself what the worst that happens is they say no right but that's scary because isn't that somehow telling us that they deemed us unworthy of the expense? Mm. But the more you do this, the more you practice it, the more you are ultimately pleasantly surprised at how much people want to love you all the time. Yeah. Right? And back to that piece of like, of course it's designed to be good, right? There's also that piece inside of us that's designed to be held. It works in tandem with the piece of others that designs to hold. Everyone on earth, every human on earth 
exists to protect and serve and preserve the world for children. It's innate. Which means someone doesn't even have to love you very much to be willing to do something for your kid. Yeah. And it's okay to capitalize on that. Like it's it's by design. You'll be surprised that a lot of people won't judge you for needing help, but we'll just help you. Mm-hmm. I don't even know our neighbors and they handled our trash for a month. Wow. I told them I'm going to have a baby. I'm sure you've noticed my three loud children screaming in the backyard. There's no way. There is no way I'm going to remember that it's Sunday night and that the trash needs to be taken out. When you're pulling yours, if you think of it, can you pull ours out to the curb? They did it until I just started doing it myself. I don't even know that I ever talked to them about like, I've got it now. I just started doing it, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> or my son would go out and do it with them or whatever. Yeah. You know, mm. I had, <laughs> I had my ex-husband tending me immediately after birth. I had him feeding me and tending to me and caring for me. You know, talk about like the safety of someone already deeming you worthy. What about finding safety even in those places where you feel like someone has already deemed you unworthy? Mm. Are you willing to ask your mom to come care for you even though sometimes you feel like she judges you? Mm. Do you feel like your mother-in-law is passive aggressive, but will you ask her to drop food off on the porch? Yeah. Like get really creative with how much will you let people love you? Instead of just going like, I haven't been feeling loved or I don't trust that I'm going to be, so I'm not even going to try. Mm -hmm. I'll just do it myself. I'll love myself. I'll take care of myself. It's that insane, insane hyper-individualism and gross independence that mm -hmm. women, most of all, have been gaslit into indulging over the last couple generations. And it is so perverse <clears throat> and it's such a betrayal of not just babies and not just mothers but like god honestly it's it is it is a betrayal of the divine to act like women and mothers and babies should be living and thriving on their own mm -hmm. it it goes against what we were all born to do and so it's this radical act of almost like worship of life itself and the fact that we're here to let yourself to be held and to go out and hold other women. It's so holy. It is so holy to feed a woman who just birthed a baby. Wow. I feel like I could <laughs> listen to you speak forever. <laughs> I'm just drinking all of this in. Um, and yeah, I'm just, again, sending so much gratitude to you for being here and sharing. Um, I, I, something that, that came up for me as you were speaking was <clears throat> um, this idea of there's going to be challenge and it's going to be hard 
and mm-hmm. a conversation that my partner and I have had is what hard are we choosing? Am mm-hmm. I choosing the hard of doing it all on my own? Or am I choosing the hard of sitting in the discomfort and fucking receiving? Yeah. Am I choosing? Um, yeah. yeah. Am I choosing the hard again of what it's doing to my body to get up the next day and continue living my life as normal um or am I choosing the hard of it's really uncomfortable to sit still and to just be here totally that's completely what it is there's I mean life is hard right life is hard and it's not a bad thing that it is life is hard because we care Mm -hmm. and if we didn't care we wouldn't be here doing it right like it's it's integral our time on earth we must care deeply about otherwise it would be pointless and I don't know where anyone would be but it wouldn't be here doing these things together it's it is hard and it's also beautiful and those bits of hardness are so they're such a gift right it's so It's such a gift because it's the space of your own becoming. Yeah. There is no, there is no growth without something spurring it in one way or another, right? Everything that we're doing here is in response to something, something someone else does, something within us, it's a place that gets lit up or feels too dark or whatever it may be. It's all moving constantly. And it's such a powerful practice to play with, with your first baby and your first postpartum and to set that tone for yourself because it just, it doesn't make work or hard or challenge mean bad anymore. Right? Like I've had, I've never once had a bad day with any of my children. Never once. I've had so many hard days. <laughs> I've had days where, you know, I had a day last week where three of my four children had fevers and were puking and I did not sleep. And I was parenting by myself again the next day. Like, yeah, it was hard. And I my memory was weird and I had no focus and like I couldn't carry a conversation even with the children. And like... <laughs> But it also was just the day we're having too. And you get to you get to arrive to a place where you're no longer seeking to label your experience as an experience worth having or not. You're just having the experience you have. And that right there is what feels safe. That's right there. That's where you find like comfort in discomfort. Mm-hmm. When you get to come to a place where you're like, Ooh, like I am itching to get out of my body to avoid being in this thing that I am in. What an interesting place to be. And yet some piece of my like soul is fine being here. Nursing a teething baby for like four hours straight, there will be a piece of you that's like, ooh, if I could run away from home, I (laughs) maybe (laughs) just maybe. Um, and yet right beside that, and maybe even in equal measure will be the pieces of like, I don't want to get up. I love how he smells. 
look at his face. You know, it's that practice of how mothers will say that the day is so hard and then they'll stay up way too late looking at pictures of their kid and just like crying at how much they love them (laughs) every single night. (laughs) If you let yourself have both, if you don't save that for nighttime, right? What if you let yourself have that in the middle of it? There have been times where I have a child who is just viciously angry Mm. and is like, in my face, like screaming at me, battle cry, you know, threatening to kill me, whatever it might be, like just really, really, really letting himself rage. And of course, in those moments, I've had pieces of me that are like, this is unsafe. No one gets to yell at me. No one gets to threaten me. Like, what the hell is he doing? Like, (laughs) that nonsense. What are you talking about? I, you know, all those things can be there. And I've more than once had the experience of while someone is screaming in my face to also be like, oh my God, you were beautiful. And if I tell you right now, it's just going to piss you off more. So I'm keeping this to myself, but oh my God, I just want to kiss you. And as soon as I feel like I can, without you trying to bite me, I'm gonna like, you are (laughs) so amazing. (laughs) You are so angry, right? Where I can marvel at like, look how angry you are. Look how free you are. Look how comfortable you are threatening to murder your own mother as if that wouldn't mean your life also ends because who would feed you? Like, what? <laughs> look at you. This is incredible. Does it feel that way every time someone yells at me? No, of course not. But I've been brought to that edge, that edge of, I hate this. Honestly, I hate this piece and I don't want to be here and I want to turn around and I want to look away and I want to run from it. I've been there enough times that I recognize and I'm like, oh, I know this. Okay. Right. I get to be like, let me have it. Let's see what's on the other side. Fuck me right right up. Like, (laughs) go ahead. (laughs) You know, where Mm -hmm. I hit that point and I'm like, this is going to hurt. Thank you in advance. And postpartum is the imprint for that. Yeah, it's going to be hard. Or at least it might be, you know. I don't know that I had a lot of hard in my fourth postpartum. But like you said, I found those places of like, it was really hard to keep asking my ex-husband to do things for me that I knew he didn't want to do. I know he didn't want to anymore. And I chose not to care. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Mm. I know he wanted to go to his own house instead of making me dinner. But unless he's going to say no, why would I be saying no for him? Why am I going to preemptively choose that someone doesn't love me? I don't need to make that choice for anyone else. I don't make any other choices for him in his life. Why would I start making those ones? Yeah. That's such the ultimate. It's the ultimate experience of motherhood and of life, really, you know, but motherhood is just life like distilled down into the most potent pieces of it. It's, it's so brilliant in your experience of life and and yeah it all shows up in postpartum but it's all a little softer there right it's all a little softer it's a little bit easier to choose to like take a really deep breath of milky baby breath 
and feel your brain light up like you took a hit of some drug that no one could ever even sell and (laughs) choose to latch the baby anyway even though you know that it might hurt that's a little bit easier than sitting with the four-year-old who's like screaming at you or the two-year-old who looks you dead in the eye as he takes the knife out of the block and just challenges you to a silent duel you know like those (laughs) it's a little bit babies aren't threatening I guess is my point babies aren't threatening and so it's a little easier to turn towards them and so it's just it's it's perfectly designed then that just like as your child gets physically heavier you are physically stronger to keep holding them the same is happening to your spirit and orientation towards them where it gets a little bit harder to keep turning towards and turning towards and turning towards and turning towards at every possible turn but it's gradual and it's welcoming and it gets harder as it gets easier because even though it's bigger triggers and bigger shadows and bigger spaces of doubt and fear you've also fortified yourself up to that point in familiarity with your own edge where maybe yeah it's the most terrifying it's ever been but in the other hand you hold the most faith you've ever held if you don't allow yourself to go to those places in postpartum you didn't have that experience you get to those places with your toddler where it feels like you're going to die if you sit here anymore in the middle of this tantrum and there's no other piece of you going, oh no, honey, no, remember? We've been here and it was okay. Instead, you're just sitting with that piece of you that is like, this is death. This is dying. This is insane. Mm. And that really speaks to... um kind of what came up at the beginning as well of in pregnancy allowing yourself to feel the fullness the full experience and mm-hmm. having that that invitation in pregnancy it's the the first few like drops of what's going to slowly grow and mm-hmm. uh, how how we how open we are, or how receptive we are to that experience is, yeah, going to lay the the blueprints for how we have that experience in postpartum and in motherhood. Um, and yeah, the more resistance that there is to, to that, the more challenging it's going to be as it gets bigger. And you can't ignore it <laughs> when there's you a can. child <laughs> screaming in your face like it's not like oh okay I can't cry right now I can't feel this right now I'm mm-hmm. gonna shut it down it's like there's a child screaming in your face right in front of you what are you gonna do yeah 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 and how do you feel about it you don't stop feeling about it right like there's no just being like there's no turning away from that because it's not just you anymore and that's That's the brilliance of children is they're so, they're such a radiant mirror. They are so clear and cutting Mm. in how much they will reflect back to you. It is relentless. They don't give a fuck that it's hurting your feelings. They don't care that like when they get to scream and stomp their feet, you remember how you couldn't. They don't care. You know, 
they don't care beyond the fact that they chose you and chose to come to give you this gift that was the point that they cared Mm. but your children love you enough and and also get this your children trust you enough your children are trusting you to do hard things Mm. more than you trust yourself and so much of the process of motherhood is just can I trust myself as much as they trust me Can I trust myself as much as the universe is trusting me? Can I trust that all of this is for me and therefore I'm capable of it? My child, when he, you know, he doesn't hesitate to show me my own shit. Like, maybe he even doesn't know it hurts. I don't know. But like, (laughs) (laughs) but he trusts me with it, right? Mm -hmm. He chose me to come here and do this walk with him. And not only in that big macro sense, but in the micro sense, he trusts that he's safe to scream in my face and that's fine. Yeah. Now, like, I still teach them not to scream in people's faces, obviously, but like, you know, (laughs) nothing is cosmically wrong with him having that experience. And I get to internalize that myself over and over and over and over and over again. And you meet it in postpartum in really big ways. You meet it in birth in the most like ferocious way. You totally experience tendrils in pregnancy. And I would say you even start to kind of like flirt with these concepts preconception as you like choose to orient towards a child and choose to make space or wonder if this month is the month or, you know, get like knocked on your butt with like, whoa, I wasn't paying attention to that yet and it has arrived to me and now there is a child and an experience that I am having that I have to figure out how to align with. How do I surrender to this without betraying my own needs? How do I abandon my need for control without abandoning myself? Mm -hmm. And I think postpartum is a really, really special part of that process because you do you physically have needs. It's very clear when you abandon yourself in postpartum. You get up too soon, you will notice you bleed more. Mm. Like it's very, very, very clear. And so it's not a matter of what boundaries should I be setting? It's you're only working with, am I willing to set them? Mm-hmm. Lots of other places in life not only are setting boundaries hard, but figuring out which ones you want to set is kind of work in and of itself. Postpartum is very, very clear. When you get back to the design of your body, because it's just simply anything that betrays my body betrays myself. And it speaks so loudly. It speaks so loudly. Yeah. Did you... Did you ever experience anyone? Because I, I receive this um, kind of fear from the people around me and there's part of me that has this fear. Did you have anyone that um, kind of pushed up against those boundaries or challenged you? Um, or yeah, any, any kind of like discomfort in, in other people's reactions? Other people, right? Versus just like my own internal doubt. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would say definitely this last, this fourth postpartum navigating like in the middle of divorce with the father of my four boys, um, for sure had moments where 
I had to set boundaries that I didn't want to set and that didn't feel comfortable setting or you know because he's not only he's like not in that space with me yes it is his child yes we were together for over a decade like he also just man is not postpartum in the way that woman is postpartum he's not there with me which means he some piece of him was still available for like fighting is too strong but like contrast in a way that I was just not available for and so yeah there were times where I had to hold that line much firmer with him of like no we're not going back to me doing everything yet where I had to draw it out a lot longer than he had the natural inclination to um then our first three times I would say our first three postpartums that wasn't a piece of it for him and I but it was a part of our walk together this time where yeah I definitely did have to um yeah set some firmer boundaries of like yeah I hear you that you don't want to you were required to come over anyway no no you're right I could it would be to the detriment of me and all four of your children that I have birthed including one who is two weeks old so I am letting you know you make your own choices but I'm letting you know right now I'm going to remind you that it is harming your children to risk and support right now in a way that is felt. I know that you know it because we've done this many times before. So this is actually. Mm-hmm. Also, the battery, like, and you can keep your feelings too. But not... husband or ex husband or anyone involved, I'm not your person to work for your lives and so you guys are hungry and you need to make them dinner and if you feel really upset about that you can uh like close your mouth and tell you're back to your own house it's like you know I think I said it much nicer than that but it was still it was like I'm not this is what it means to be a father right now and having to remind him of that of like this is what it means to father your children right now and so that is what is required of you from them Mm -hmm. but as far as like my like in-laws or things I think my in-laws have always kind of thought it was maybe kind of silly like I know that they don't I know that my mother-in-law doesn't value it quite the same way that I do but I she also respects it Mm. um you know, my grandparents don't get it at all. But I will say the more that I talked to my grandma about it, you know, my first couple postpartums where I was like, oh, I'm not leaving the house. And she's like, why? And I was like, well, it's only been like five weeks. And she's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right? She's like, what are you, what are you talking about? You're not ready to go on a road trip, <laughs> you know? Um, or maybe, yeah, she thought it was kind of ridiculous. Versus this last one where she was like, what are you going to be doing postpartum? Mm. And I got to be like, well, I have this person coming and I have this person coming and I have this person coming. She goes, I am. Oh, oh, I could just almost cry. I am so happy that they will be there for you. That is amazing. Oh, I'm so glad. I was feeling kind of worried about you, to be honest. I'm really, really glad. Mm. you know where like the wish that my grandmother gets to embody for 
herself and for me and for women gets to pivot. So yeah, there's been little like flares of resistance here and there mm. from various people, but I also think, you know, what's interesting is it's been from people that don't typically like hesitate to disrespect my life or my choices too. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> It's not like that I'm just surrounded by people that are super respectful and never judgmental. I'm actually not, um, especially my own family. But I, I think I just, I arrived to it with such certainty. I'm just like, I am energetically not available for argument about this. Right? And so there's no piece of me that invites anyone saying anything. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to verbally set that boundary. It's energetically held. I am not available for arguing about my postpartum, just like I'm not available for arguing about my birth, which is why no one will dare make a comment to me about birthing unassisted. No one will dare make a comment to me about staying in my house two months postpartum. No one. And those same people will like bring me food and clean for me and take care of me. Because I embody it with so much trust and faith that it is one I just, it's undeniable for me. It's like, there's a handful of like actual truths in the universe and on earth. And this is one of them for me. Mm. This is one of them. It is undeniably true that mothers and babies deserve a spacious, soft, safe postpartum to integrate one another into the new earth. That is an undeniable truth. It is perhaps the most true truth of all human life since it is the foundation for human life and it is one of the handful of things in the world that I'm really comfortable being like and if you disagree you're just actually wrong Mm. like and I don't you can be wrong by yourself right I don't say that to anyone but also don't have to because it's it's held so firmly but like this is this just is correct and so it is what happens and I assume that that has contributed to my experience of no one pushing my buttons on it really ever, not in a significant way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can feel the, the power that's like (laughs) seeping through the screen (laughs) um, from even just, yeah, the tone of voice and um, conviction, which you, which you share that. Um, and I think that's really beautiful and so just so incredible to witness because um, for myself I think I see in my own experience I have been like people pleaser so scared to make anyone even question their own um, experience or opinion or perspective and um there's I I see a lot of that around me as well um so to yeah uh, I I guess the story that I have is when I set the boundary of don't even ask me to hold my baby like don't even ask it's not worth asking um and there's there's this part of me that's like oh man but but what if this person feels bad and what if that like it's so refreshing to to witness you so in your power of um like this is just a full body truth 
and you can be wrong <laughs> go be yeah. wrong yourself yeah um, <laughs> yeah like I'm not my feelings are not hurt by your feelings being hurt yeah and I will say that people like postpartum is one of the few places in my life that I do feel that way like of course I absolutely people please their tendencies yeah. absolutely have a thousand other places and relationships in my life where I'm like oh oh no I made you sad and that's horrible and I was wrong and I'm sorry and you know mm. yeah um which I think you know yeah I think that's again just part of why I love postpartum so much is it's, it's just so undeniably true mm. it's this it's like easy mode when it comes to setting boundaries because it's the stakes have arguably never been higher the path forward has arguably never been more clear you have this baby that you have oriented towards and orienting towards their wellness is like just knocks you over where it's not an option not to live in service of them and their highest good it's just not an option and women talk about this all the time. It's like, oh, I'm so meek and demure and soft and sweet. But if somewhere were to threaten my kid, like <laughs> mama bear turns it on. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and so there was a place for me. It was like three months postpartum with my first. It was the first time I took him back home to visit my family. And I had to set boundaries in service of him with the people that I would like I would literally rather like never see them again than have to set a boundary with them like that was kind of what I was doing it's like I'm gonna just live very far away from you then have to figure out how to be in relationship with you because it feels that threatening and uncertain and uncomfortable and yet I was in this place of like I'm not gonna not set the boundary for him I have to I have to I feel like I'm gonna puke and I have to. And then immediately coming with that, that first boundary set was this knowing of if he's worth setting boundaries for, I am worth setting boundaries for. And more than that, I have been the whole time. Mm. This is my family. These are the very people that orchestrated my programming that makes me afraid to set boundaries. Like they are the blueprint for me feeling like I can't do that. If I can do that with them for him, I can do it for myself. And in fact, I always could, which got to snap me out of like a lot of victim mindset of my own childhood experience. Like children are also children and are not personally responsible for their lives entirely. But yeah, it was this immediate rewrite of how to move forward that was the most probably the singularly most resounding impact of his postpartum was my willingness to love myself as I love him Mm. my willingness to declare myself as worthy as he is and yeah that you find it in postpartum because it's just so clear it's so clear Mm -hmm. your body never speaks louder right you talk about like somatic awareness there is like you can't help but be aware it is never going to speak louder than in those moments all you have to do is choose to listen to it Mm. Mm. wow 
this um yeah this conversation has just been so <laughs> just so powerful in um helping me to continue to rewrite my perspective and my um yeah how I view postpartum and there was um so much fear in my body and fear around me um of what postpartum is going to be like and I feel like even just from having this conversation and listening to all of your wisdom I'm like I'm excited now <laughs> I'm, so excited. I'm excited to to even meet my edges and meet the discomfort and and have the awareness of what what challenge am I going to choose am I going to choose to receive am I going to choose to set the boundary um or or am I going to continue to you know yeah not love myself or continue to abandon myself and therefore abandon my child's needs in a way um it's mm -hmm. really excited and I really hope that other women listening can have that shift in their own perspective as well because it feels it feels huge it feels um so so big so much bigger than um just me and my experience or you know the women that I've seen in my life um navigate their own postpartums like this feels yeah there's also um a like energy of remembrance of this is how it was this is how it was always mm -hmm. meant to be and we have forgotten and we have disconnected and disassociated from this experience and and now there's this remembrance and I can feel it in my body just witnessing you um, sharing your experience I can feel it activating the parts of my body that knows that this is truth um so yeah just thank you thank you thank you so much for yeah sharing your experience sharing your voice your time your energy and allowing us to um to hear such a different experience and narrative than what is you know readily available um from mm -hmm society so yeah thank you so so much yeah thank you for sharing yourself with me and this like I'm so excited for you I'll say that I'm holding that for you I am so excited for you to meet yeah. your baby and meet yourself and find those shadows and find that light because it's all just it's all so worthy and it's all so holy and it's also yours it's gonna feel so incredible to sit with yourself and to look at all the things you can hold the pride that you will touch on of just yourself you'll be proud of your child but the pride in yourself will be mm. it's delicious I'm so excited for you thank you thank you mm. so before we wrap up is there anything that you would like to share anything else um I don't know how long you'll have the um 
postpartum summit going, but is there any anywhere um, you want to direct people if they want to connect with you or um, yeah, to, to any of the work that you're doing? Yeah, the summit is always there mm. and I have no intention of ever getting rid of it. I really enjoyed it and I'll probably just always be there because um, they're such fun conversations and I can see yeah, I would revisit them like years from now. They're so they're so fun and good to sit with. Um, and then as far as beyond postpartum, um, I work most intimately and most often with women that are past that postpartum period, but are working with that same kind of medicine in their motherhood of what does it look like to be surrendered but securely attached to myself and to life and to motherhood itself. And what does that look like to not abandon my own needs and to center myself, but to really mother primally in a way that no longer places the mother and the child at odds, as if the baby's needs is in competition with the mother's needs. Mm. Um, so people that may not be pregnant and not be postpartum, but are really kind of finding those same stories in their own motherhood can find me. Um, I work one-on-one -on -one with people and run group programs every once in a while, and they're really they're really delightful. It feels really good to have not only a model for, you know, a different template of motherhood and arriving to motherhood differently, but a network of women that are there with you to have those touchstones of, yeah, that like ancestral familiarity of what it looks like to mother in tandem and mother within a web and to, to tap into that and to tap into yourself and your child and to, to really be able to resource yourself on a beyond the physical plane to really, really feel resourced and arrived to your season of mothering. Mm, beautiful. Mm. Oh, that sounds so juicy. <laughs> I love well, yeah, thank you again so much for being here and sharing yourself with us and yeah, allowing us to witness you in your experience and yeah, your knowledge and wisdom. Thank you so much for having me on again. It was really great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. Thank you.